0: Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Super Villa fought back from 1-0 down to draw with Wolves on Wednesday night. Today I'm joined by our guest, Hotcast regular and managing editor at Canadian Soccer Daily, Tom Nightingale. Tom, it's great to have you back on again, uh, becoming a bit of a bit of a regular on the All Villa No Filler podcast. Uh, how have you been, firstly? I believe you're back in Canada. I am, yeah. Very good, thank you. I uh, came back
1: New Year's Eve, left the British uh, grey, drizzly, damp behind and arrived in what unfortunately seems to be a long stretch of grey, drizzly, damp Canadian weather. So, yeah, um, a like-for-like like change for me.
0: That weather is reflective of what life is like as an Aston Villa fan generally, or has been for a long time. Maybe yeah. things are changing. Maybe you and I, Emery, is the sun uh, rising over us uh, I've I've just got back from Scotland uh, I've, uh, first time I've ever been to the Highlands, I went to Glasgow for the first time as well and I really like Glasgow and it's also uh, a very cool city and it's also home to uh, uh, some villa legends, you know, We're Thinking uh thinking Andy Gray, I believe is from there, John McGinn I believe was born there, Andy Lockhead and the mighty Ross McCormack the, the biggest legend of them all, Ross McCormack who I think Genuinely, might be my least favorite Villa player ever. He's he's certainly on the top five, I think.
1: Yeah, it's literally all I remember is uh, Gate Gate. Yeah, it's like the only thing in it from Ross McCormack's. Like, we paid what do we pay like four, twelve, fourteen million 12, 14 million
0: for him? <sighs> he was one of those players who, like, in the championship, he seemed to, like Fulham, Leeds, Villa all seemed to sign him for like millions, like 12 million, 30 million, which in that division at that point was a lot of money. And uh, I just never quite got it. I was like, "What, what is it?" I don't know. Was, didn't really understand that. But he's he's in the past. But we looked to the future. Um, although like, we looked one day in the past, I guess. But to the Wolves game, what did you make of it?
1: It was a tricky one, really. Like I was, I didn't get the. There was the usual sort of huge outpouring of negativity. I found on villa twitter like there is every time we don't win <laughs> and also also sometimes when we do win let's be real yeah. um I, I didn't really get that to be honest i didn't really feel that way myself um the way i looked at it is like i think it's one of those games you have to put in the big picture because obviously like we, it was frustrating in that we were poor really poor for 60 70 minutes yeah but the main thing for me is like that's that kind of game i actually i said this um Early in the second half, I was like, this just smacks of one of those games where we could play all night, won't create clear-cut opportunities, yeah. could play all night without scoring. We're going to lose this. Then that They'll maybe score a second on the break and we'll lose dismally like 2-0 um, mm-hmm. because we've seen it all before so many times over the years. But the, So the main thing to take away from it, as far as I'm concerned, is that that was a game that we've seen Villa lose hundreds of times over and this yes. time fought, uh, fought our way back. I think in the end, prob- probably just about deserved a point. But I mean, yeah. had had Leon Bailey scored that one right at the end, I don't think honestly there's a there's a realistic villa fan who would have been able to say that we deserve to come away from that game with three points. That would have been daylight. Well, I suppose not daylight, nighttime robbery. Yeah. Um but for me it's just about if you can't win, if you're gonna if if you can't perform well every game, only the very best teams do that. The absolute key is that in the games where you can't perform well. If you can't win them, don't lose them. Yeah, and so to see Villa come back and I would probably label it as escaping with a point. Right. I was, I wouldn't say I was happy, but I was content. Certainly,
0: yeah, I, th- I think what what I guess what I was happy to see was as you mentioned, like that the fight back. I think that's the kind of game that Villa would have trudged after a poor first half under recent regimes. I think we would have just trudged to a one nil loss or maybe even two nil conceded a second. Uh, in the 80th minute, and we're all going home, just miserable and unhappy. But um the positive was that you know Villa showed real fight, and that's the second time now under Unai Emery we fought back from a, a goal down. And uh, yeah, we could have gone within ourselves uh, after the very poor first half. Uh, and I think it fair to, I think Emery he, he tried something with Cash out on the right, and that was something I'd even tweeted about. So uh, you know. Uh, thinking, you know, we've never seen cash play further forward for Villa, really, um, other than a brief skill against Tottenham the other day. Uh, and it didn't quite work, really. I, I think he, him and Young didn't, it wasn't um, great. Uh, so I think this, the halftime substitution was the absolute right thing to do. And I think it, it showed with Emery that he's willing to make substitutions or capable of making substitutions that impact games at the right time. Um, Augustinson on for yeah, That worked. Dinier was really off it all night. Augustinson, I think, actually did pretty well. Uh, very unlucky not to score uh, with clearance of the decade, really. Danny Ings coming on for Ollie Watkins was the right thing because, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll talk about this a bit about the intricacy of Villa's play. Uh, Villa were crossing the ball in a lot. Uh, and so Watkins was just a bit anonymous all day, which was quite surprising, actually. And it just felt with the ball crossing into the area. Danny Ings is the guy you want in the area, really, isn't it? I mean, what, what did you think of uh, Villa's intricacy, I think? Uh, that's something Emery's talked about, that our positioning that between the lines wasn't quite right. Did you think Villa were um, a bit uninspired going forward yesterday? Yeah, I
1: thought so. It was one of the games where, like, I'm a big Emmy Buendia fan, but yeah. he, um, I found him quite frustrating. found him yeah. and Bailey quite frustrating. Um against Wolves just because it's difficult you know like with Bailey I was with Bailey I was harsh on Bailey I got 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 pelters for it from some people on Twitter for being a <laughs> bit bit harsh about Leon Bailey but he um he's a Bertrand Traore-esque player for me but in that frustrating tries a lot during the course of the game but you end up or I do I end up frustrated more often than I end up Pleased by what he tries. But the problem yeah. is in assessing players like Brendier and Bailey is that they are the players who are tasked with making things happen for Villa. So, like if you're one of those creative players who is told, get the ball down, run at defenders, try and play those through balls, try and make stuff happen. Naturally, unless you're like a Kevin De Bruyne quality of player, yeah. you're gonna f- you're gonna fail more often than you succeed, just by by the very nature of the play. Yeah. And I just felt like yesterday was one of those games where it was particularly frustrating because they were clearly trying things we've clearly worked on attacking patterns in training and stuff but yeah. it was one of those games where just nothing was coming off and i think another thing was thing that was a big disappointment for me as well as the sort of failure of the attacking play was that given we played Spurs' midfield off the park, like Hoiberg barely got a kick, did he against Kamara and Louise at the weekend? Yeah. Um, I just felt like that control was missing, which yeah, is a shame because Wolves are no slouches, but like, you'd really hope that if the pairing of Louise and Kamara can be as consistent as we want it to be, yeah. you would hope that they would be able to wrestle the game away from the likes of Ruben Neves and Jean Moutinho really but it just yeah. didn't happen did it it was one of those it just nothing really came off at all until the Ings equaliser.
0: Yeah it felt a little bit like um, maybe a slight hangover from Spurs and I think Emery himself mentioned it post game sometimes it is easier to prepare to stop an attacking team therefore playing away is what I think he was insinuating uh, than when, that to, when somebody else tries to do that to you at home and I guess that's where Villa need Buendia and Leon Bailey to be more consistent. Um, I mean, look, I, I think we both really rate Emmy Buendia very highly. And uh, I was screaming for him to get more game time under Stephen Gerrard because ultimately I think he is our most uh, creative player. I think he's a really talented player. Um, and if he's just going to be sat on the bench all the time, as he was under Gerrard, how is he supposed to generate any kind of consistency or um, get up to full speed? Now, I think that now he's playing, starting more regularly, I think surely the aim for Buendir should be that he gets into the Argentina national team. And I think the Argentina's attack- attackers are absolutely off the scale amazing generally. Um, you know, Angel Di Maria or Lionel Messi, um, Latara Martinez, uh, Julian Alvarez, on and on and on, you know? And I think for, for Buendia, I think what... Emery could, would probably say to him is if you want to get into the Argentina team you have to be as consistent as those attackers are and that's and that doesn't mean you know, so you know if, if this was Gerrard I wouldn't trust that he'd start Buendia next game you know Emery might not but I, I think he more than likely would because Buendia was excellent against Tottenham I thought you know it, tracking back doing the hard yards and he's really I think last night there were a couple of moments where he tracked back again so he's a really hard working player it's just between those lines you know him and bailey last night like you said they were frustrating i thought bailey i was like i was gutted for him at the end there and you could see you know when he was in tears at the end of the game you know you don't want to see a player in that state and that to me it does suggest you know I a that he cares but b also maybe there's a mentality thing a confidence thing he needs those he needs a good moment to start the game otherwise it can be in his head that he's not going to be on form or the ball's going to get away from him. Um, And, uh, you know, he got that goal against Man United early on when we beat them 3-1 and he was absolutely unplayable that day. You just think like, oh, if he could just be more consistent. Um, So do you, do you think like, do you think the way Villa's attackers can be inconsistent? Do you think, that's an area of the team that Unai Emery will identify and say, we need more consistent players or we need to go big and sign players for a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think he, he said, hasn't he? I think publicly that, um, or it's certainly been reported. I know by like Ashley Preece, Birmingham live that a winger is a priority. Yeah. Um, it's like Groundhog Day. But like, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like hasn't a winger been a priority for about ten years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I guess speaks to the point about consistency. Like I don't know, the last time we had a consistent winger, certainly in the Premier League era, yeah, Ashley Young.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't,
1: do, you, do you know what I mean? Like it's and it's it's a shame because we've had this sort of revolving door: El Ghazi, Trezeguet, Bertrand Traore, Leon Bailey. Yeah. Um, it says something, I love Anwar El Ghazi, but it does say something that out of our select group of wingers, certainly since promotion, he's yeah. the one with the best return and the most consistency, given the the, the slander he used to get on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just a real issue, isn't it? And it's, it's just frustrating because you feel like, I think Villa have got pretty much all the tools in the attacking arsenal to succeed. Like if you, there's that stat, that stat, AVFC Stato put out that only six or seven players have a better goals per 90-minute rate than Danny Ings in the Premier Mm. League this season. Um it's very impressive. Like I think we've said for I've thought for years that Danny Ings is one of the best Premier League strikers outside of the top six. I still think it's true in terms of got like conversion rate. You've got Ollie Watkins as well, who I know he misses chances, but Villa's top scorer every you know every well, every season since he arrived and yeah. um, might not be prolific but does get in the positions does does score goals even if it takes him a few attempts. Mid yeah. looks like fingers crossed. We've finally sorted the midfield with Luis and Kamara. It's like touch wood, famous yeah. last words. But um, so you're just thinking now going forward, finding some consistency out wide is pretty much the last thing that's left. I think I'm with mm-hmm. you. I think Emmy Brendia should be playing. Nobody should be guaranteed a spot but I see absolutely no reason to drop Emmy Brendia just because he's one of the ones who's trying to create and not everything's coming off. You could say the same about Leon Bailey, and I certainly think there are games that suit Leon Bailey. Um, Like you say, he broke the game open against Man United and was fantastic. I think he's such a useful player to have. um, Maybe those games where we're sort of digging in and then hitting with pace on the break. Man United, Spurs, those kinds of opponents. It sort of didn't really surprise me that I found him more frustrating than usual against a team like Wolves at home where the onus is on Villa to break Wolves down because that's another thing that seems to have been a Villa problem for years. Yeah. Breaking breaking down the sort of lesser sides, if you will, at at home. Um, So I'm not surprised that Emery wants to bring in some more quality on the wings. And, you know, if he can bring in, I'm not one for throwing names around because I just don't, not a scout, Um, but if Emery can bring in somebody that he maybe is familiar with, either through having managed them before or familiar from his time in Spain, um, Mm. and somebody that he is confident can adapt to the Premier League and provide a more consistent output on the wings, I am all for it. I would rather see us do that than try and bring in a big-name striker in January,
0: because
1: you're not going to find a striker with a better goal rate than Danny Ings for an affordable price in the January market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think winger should be a priority, and if we can fix that, and then also maybe build up Bailey's confidence and more competition for places, mm. then I think um, kind of sky's the limit for us
0: really going forward. I think I, I totally agree with with that, and i I think if I think if Villa were to get another attacking uh, attacking profile, it might be. a I look at the strikers and I sometimes think there's games where you whack the ball into the feet and you don't quite know what you're going to get. Like Watkins is quite inconsistent when the ball comes into his feet. Like he was good against Liverpool at winning the ball against Matip and laying it off. And he was really good against Tottenham. The two goals happened because of a lot of his hard work, really. Um, But some games you sort of just whack his feet and you don't quite know if he's going to hold it up well. Um, And I do wonder if Villas could get a striker who. If there's anyone out there who you, you just whack it into his feet from midfield position, holds it up all the time, gets goals as well. I, I, I know it's a bit of a you know, you want all strikers to be able to do that, but every striker's different. And I do wonder if Villa could do with somebody like that. Um, and like you say, I'm not I'm not a scout, so so I don't know. I mean, maybe Kylian Mbappe might be interested in uh <laughs> you know uh, meeting up with Emmy Martinez at Aston Villa, who knows? uh but yeah I, I, and i think you know villa have never quite spent that sort of they've never gone to the 50 million 60 million mark and i'm not suggesting i want villa to become a team like that you know like you look at other sides like brighton who have done really well at signing players for not huge amounts of sums but i do think at times it'd be good to find players for you know uh you know cheaper who have potential but also maybe with Unai Emery now as a manager who I really have so much faith in, maybe it is time to just break the bank for someone. Uh, just, may, This is the manager to do it with. But yeah, I, I, something else I also think as well from last night, do you do you think Wolves are in a slightly false position? Do you think they're better than where they are?
1: Yeah, I, d- I definitely think Wolves are, be- are better than where they are. I've been surprised to see them struggle quite... So badly, really. I know that yeah. things things haven't really been the same for them in attack since Raúl Jiménez's, you know, awful injury. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they've got they've got they're a weird team. Wolves. They're a mixture of they've got some absolute quality players. Like I think Podence and Pedro Neto, Neves, Jean Moutinho still, even though he's you know, as old as time. Yeah. These are these are quality players. Um. But then they're that really weird mix where they have that quality and then they've got about. They've got genuinely about seven or eight players that ev- I know that I've heard their names before, but every time <laughs> I hear their name, I'm like, "Yeah, who is this person and where have they found him from? They've got a guy called Totty, I think, who <laughs> yeah. came off the bench or something. Like,
0: yeah. who, who are these people? Where yeah. are you getting them from? Um, it's amazing. That's what that's what um, Middlesbrough used to be like for me. Every time we play Middlesbrough, I'd be like, who the hell is this?
1: Oh. Yeah. It's like they're re- it's like regens on football manager. They're just <laughs> yeah. churning them out, these faceless people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think wolves, I, I'm really, really interested to see how um Lopetegui does with Wolves. Yeah. Um, because he's a weird one. He's like a, he's definitely a good manager. But if you look at his CV, it's actually kind of artly. He had like four months at Real Madrid, which admittedly is Probably the hardest job in football to impress yeah. Real Madrid fans, um, but he's he's got like a pretty good CV. But he's just absolutely never been in this situation of like a relegation battle and trying to lift a trying to lift a team yeah. up the table from pretty much the basement. So I'm very interested to see how see how they do. But I was I didn't think they were fantastic against us. But I certainly think they showed that they they were bottom, weren't they? A
0: couple of weeks yeah, ago, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, no, they're nowhere near, nowhere Not,
0: near the worst team no in the way. league. No way. And I think that's worth remembering. I guess that was the, the what I was sort of getting at in the sense, like, I think it's worth remembering Wolves probably are quite a bit better than where they are in the league. And also that, you know, a new manager in Lopetegui, it's very hard to prepare for a team like that. Like Lopetegui's a you know, he's, he's won the Europa League very recently with Sevilla. He's a decorated manager, did very well with Spain, even though that ended very controversially. Um, and so I think preparing for that is difficult. And when they have a better squad than their current league position suggests, I think last night maybe, um, I think it's worth remembering for considering the amount of negativity that was online and all that, that actually Wolves are a better side than the Shodan. Um It was difficult to, for Emery to really know exactly how Lopetegui is going to set that team up um, and to prepare for it and the credit to Unai Emery in contrast to you know our most re- other most recent manager is that he was able who we we both seem to really find a lot of, he seems to really wind <laughs> us both up uh, it like, yeah. makes me
1: basically makes me physically wince to, yeah. <laughs> to think about him
0: every time uh you know he uh, Emery was able to impact the game within the match made that substitution at half time no messing around it's not working. He made the substitution and he did it and he did he brought on other the subs in second half. You could argue Augustinson for Dinha was quite a... would you would you've looked at Augustinson's former thought, well, he's the player to bring on. Probably not. But Dinha was poor in generally in that game and uh, Emery made the difference.
1: I think well I was just gonna say I think part of part of the issue with us as a fan base, and we're all guilty of it, is that Villa Villa's a Weird fan base where I think the expectations of the fans are one or two notches above the reality of where we've been as a club for certainly for the last 10 12 years, yeah. And I think something that we're still, and I think explains the negativity and maybe the booing at half time and just the way we operate as a fan base is that as much as we all loved Dean Smith, when was the last time that we had a manager who because I think you and I are on the same page with this, who you feel confident putting your absolute faith and trust in, both Mm. on and off the pitch. I sort of can't really remember a time where Villa had that. There was, I guess there was a brief spell when I felt it with Dean, but I think part of that was him being a Villa fan and having Grealish as captain and the sort of cult of personality around both of them. Whereas with Emery, like, I just... A, it's nice to see him be so proactive during games, as you said, with substitutions. But also, even if there's a substitution that he makes, and I think from my armchair in Canada, I <laughs> wouldn't have I wouldn't have made that sub. Yeah. I don't immediately sense danger as a result of it, like I did right. with Gerard. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like I I am just very confident that if Emery assesses it's like the Spurs game where he picked Also, he said Martinez wasn't ready, picked Olson yeah. in goal. Said want, he wanted Ashley Young at right back instead of Matty Cash. Matty Cash yeah. on the bench. These are big calls. Yeah, but we finally have a manager who I trust to make these big calls. And like, if he's seen that in training, and that's the conclusion that a manager like Emery has come to, who are we as fans to say that he's wrong to do that? And mm. I think I, I, I take that forward both with his pre-match decisions for lineup, his in-game decisions for substitutions, and also I'll take that forward through January in mm. terms of personnel that he wants to let go and keep. Like. I said when we appointed Emery, um, he's the highest profile manager I certainly can remember in my lifetime Villa appointing, yeah. and I think he's probably don't know how to express this, but I think he's probably his appointment was probably the biggest gap between our level and the level of the manager we've appointed that I've ever seen because yes. we, we we're a lower mid table team and that's he is a really a good
0: point, yeah. multiple
1: trophy winning manager. So when we appointed him, and I still. I still say it now I know we're only five games in or whatever but give him the keys to the club yeah because something's got to change like we've been okay we had the promotion sort of that lovely spell with with Smith and then since then we've gone back to grinding it out in mid-table you know not necessarily looking nervously over our shoulder thankfully at the moment but there's Mm -hmm. god knows there's been enough of that over the last 10 years um I think we need a little bit we've needed a little bit of a culture reset. We've got the yeah. perfect guy to do it. Give him the keys, back him all the way because so far to be quite frank, I've seen nothing that casts any shadow over that over yeah. that confidence really.
0: All villa no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So Tom, we've touched on it there. Um and I think we're both in the exact same spot on uh, Professor Unai, as I like to call him. But we're a fair few league games into his uh, reign now. Uh, what do you make of him, and how do you feel about the club going forward with him?
1: It's interesting that Professor Professor Unai yeah. <laughs> nickname because I I I do feel about him sort of. He gives me shades of Arsene Wenger, and what yeah. I mean by that is like he's the kind of manager who like I can I can hardly imagine how Arsenal fans must have felt about Wenger before they started to cast doubt over him and before it started to tail off when they were at the sort of height of their noughties power I can barely imagine the strength of feeling that Arsenal fans must have had for Arsene Wenger
0: yeah
1: I Emery gives me that feeling like I feel like if we go all in on him as a manager and him as the leader of our project
0: yeah
1: I genuinely think he has the I'm not saying it will work necessarily work out as well as this, but I think he certainly has the capacity and the potential to pretty much revolutionise us as a club on and off the pitch. I think we've been Absolutely. crying out for a, He's like an auteur manager. You know, yeah. he's not just a coach. He's not just a motivational guy. He's not just a tactician. He's the kind of guy that I think a whole club can rally around. Yeah. and. So far, I was so early on. It's Obviously, it's dangerous because you've had so many false dawns. But,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think the evidence is there already, both on and off the pitch. Yeah. And I have to say, just every time I hear him talk, every time I see video of him on the training ground, whatever it is, I feel two things. A, pride and disbelief that he's yeah. our manager.
0: Yeah.
1: And B, just utter confidence in him steering the ship.
0: You know? Completely. I mean, this is a manager who's won the Europa League four times, one included very recently as well with Villarreal. And what I've seen so far with Villa is his first game, he ended the 27 year curse of not beating Man United at home. I mean, what better way to start? And as you say, like, you know, Villa have been, I just think we've been a club that's not had. I've said this before, like you look at Liverpool, Arsenal, United, they've all had managers who have a kind of cult of personality, yep. you know, or a, um, an aura that resets what the club means and what they're capable of doing. And Liverpool had that, you know, with Shankly and uh, Paisley, leash and probably drifted for a long time. Benitez was a was a sort of a big success, but also a kind of didn't always get to the level I think they could have done. But Klopp is that like is that aura, isn't he? And Klopp yeah, really reminds is. me of Alex Ferguson, and it's reset. You know, Liverpool now playing Klopp's style in Klopp's image. Um, Man United haven't been able to recover from Ferguson leaving because they've lost that aura has gone that he just had, and he was able to make teams that weren't that good win the Premier League. You know, the last team he won with the, the Premier League with the United, that was not a great squad. But they, they had a belief. And I just think Villa for years have just not had that manager that we can all rally around and be like, this is the guy. Yeah. He can build the club in his image. He can instill a winning mentality. And I look at Emery and I listen to his interviews. Like I read, I read um Ashley Priest's uh, post-match piece on uh, you know where Emery commented on what went wrong against Wolves, and I was like, he's absolutely right. You know, the the previous regime was well, we pull our socks up, we go again. We look, we have to look at ourselves. We needed the magic, and Emery's like, no, the transitions didn't work. the The players weren't were too inconsistent. We need to work on their positioning. And I was like, listen to this, you know, and he's he's he's, he's and not only that he comes across like a very classy individual i really like him um he's 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 a winning manager and and i just think this is the first time even and i'm i'm going beyond martin o'neill here that i, I really think this is a guy who i really believe could get villa finally to believe in competing in that they sh- they can compete with the absolute top sides um, and we have the money now with the owners, the owners and their ambition. Um, have I agreed entirely with the transfer policy in the last year? No, but uh, would Emery be the kind of person who might say no to certain players and yes to others that the, that might be recommended to him? You, 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 hopefully so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just getting good vibes off Emery. We fought yeah. back twice against Wolves and Brighton. You know, it didn't work against Liverpool. We've beaten Tottenham away. We've beaten Man United, and Tottenham and United are two teams that we always bloody lose to. So it's there's, there's just I don't know. Like it, it could all go wrong, as you say. It could be a false door. but I, there's something at the moment that's making me think. I'm I'm feeling it. I've I've, I've I'm I'm in, I'm inspired by Emery, and I'm I'm just delighted he's a, he's at Aston Villa.
1: Yeah, and it's that thing of like if you've got you know going to make a clumsy attempt at an analogy here, but you know if you've got like faulty electrics or whatever in your house. Who do you want? You know, there are some problems that take a long time to fix. Mm-hmm. And, but what you want is you want somebody who's got the qualifications and the know how and can assess the problem and can tell you definitively what's wrong. Yes. And that's exactly who, who I feel like we have now, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to the sort of can't help but compare to Gerard because, the, like, the transition we've said, I think we said this last time I was on, but like the transition from Gerard to Emery is yeah. honestly it's comical like <laughs> in in its scale it's it's yeah. unbelievable how well we've we failed upwards <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from, from Gerard to Emery and so instead yeah. of somebody it's like, instead of somebody sort of blindly poking around with a stick trying to fix the electrics we've got yeah. somebody who comes in with a whole team and knows exactly what to do and like the thing is it's going to take time because I think you hit upon it there which is a key thing for Villa is that We haven't had that cult of personality in a manager. And also we just, we haven't had the belief of being one of these teams who can rival the top six, the top eight, being one of these teams, you can get to cup finals, being one of these teams, you can go to any stadium in the country and can win. We haven't had that belief in years. There was maybe a time during the O'Neill era, you know, when we were winning away from home every week and we were battling for top four, we maybe had that belief then. Since then we haven't had even a shred of it. Um, That can come back, and I've seen already so early on, five games, six games, the building blocks are definitely already there. And once you get somebody in who instills that kind of confidence and that belief, as well as making the sort of more cerebral tactical tweaks on the training ground that reap reward, once you get that train rolling, you're going to see not everything is going to go well. You're not going to win every week. It's just not realistic. But you're going to see month to month you're going to see improvement on mm. and off the pitch. And I know there's, it's a very small sample size so far, but I truly believe that we're seeing the start of that already.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And ultimately, we, you know, just look at Newcastle. That squad ain't that brilliant. And yet they look at where they are in the league through good coaching and a belief that they have. And I think, you know, that's what ultimately Villa should look at and say, do you know what, we can get up to the top just, uh, six, top four, yeah. top whatever, because they're not invincible those teams. You know, some of them have incredible wealth and will always be up there. But, you know, look at Chelsea this season, um, United have drifted off for a few years. Tottenham all over the place a little bit. So, you know, there's there's vulnerabilities there and uh Newcastle have shown that. And if Newcastle can do it, well why not Villa?
1: Everyone talks about Newcastle and obviously talks about the money and the ownership and it is a valid point. But to focus on the financial side of Newcastle is to overlook the fact that they are an absolutely textbook example of what good coaching and confidence can do for a football club yeah it's right there in front of our eyes you know
0: thank you Tom. it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on and uh, we'll have you on again very soon uh, i'm sure
1: always a pleasure and uh the games are coming thick and fast so yeah i look forward to uh Look forward to having one of our long chats again
0: soon. Brilliant. And uh, I'm going to try and get to the Stevenage game. So hopefully I'll have a podcast review for everybody. Uh, But until then, come on Super Aston Villa.